Good morning. Almost missed my cue there. It happens from time to time. I was back there talking. Sorry. My bad. Um, how are you guys doing this morning? It's good to be here. Good to have you here with us, especially if you're a guest with us. Uh, my name is Nathan Hink. I'm the campus pastor here. And if you're a guest with us, welcome. You came at a great time because we've been kicking off this year um, with a, a series that we're really excited about. Um, but firstly, um, if, if you are newer to White Oak, um, we have something we call Meet the Pastor happening next Sunday during the 1030 hour right now um, in room 401 right over here down this hallway that runs um, by this, the auditorium here. Um, 1030, um, I'll be leading that. Um, just a, a little bit of a time to share with you, um, a little bit about me, um, the transition in leadership that's happening at White Oak this year, which is um, big news. Um, a little bit about White Oak, just so you can kind of just get a taste for kind of what we're about and what's going on here. So if you're newer or new-ish uh, to White Oak, make sure you check out or check that on your connection card or sign up for it on the app. And because we just love to know um, that we're to expect you, it'll be a good time. Um, that's just next Sunday. Meet the pastor. Uh, we're continuing on our series today, something we started at the beginning of the month. It's called Made for More. And one of the reasons why um, we're really, really pumped about this, this series is because it is more than just a topic of teaching and conversation that we'll have for the next couple of weeks and then move on to the next thing. Made for More is, is, is a driver for our entire year. The made for more, you're going to hear us talk about that as we just drive through 2020 because it's going to be the thing that sets the tone and the pace for White Oak moving forward through this year and into the next. The first thing we talked about a couple of weeks ago was that Jesus is more. And what we said was something that everybody in this room realizes is something we've all felt and we're convinced and convicted of, that there is more than just what we've experienced so far in our marriages, in our relationships, in our friendships, in how we measure success, um, and how we actually talk about and live out faith, all right? And we all have this sense that there is more than the way that we've done things so far. And what we've come to learn as we're looking through the book of Ephesians in the New Testament of the Bible is that Jesus is more. Because the fullness of God's love, like everything that God is in, in love and care was poured into Jesus. And when we understand that, we realize that if that's true, if Jesus is the fullness of God's love, then Jesus is the answer to all of the more that you and I sense is out there, okay? Jesus is more. So we talked about last week when Rick was here, we said this, that the church is made for more. So here's how one flows to the next, all right, get this. So, so if Jesus is more, then what we find throughout the New Testament of the Bible, but specifically in Ephesians, is that the church is Jesus's body, we, the community of believers, those of us who consider ourselves followers of Jesus, we are the body of Jesus. We are the representation of Jesus Christ on earth. And so if the fullness of God exists in Jesus, then the fullness of God's love, his power, his, the beauty of his love exists in us too. Right? So this is what we said, that we, each of us has, has this... this um, calling on our lives, all right, to illuminate, to shine, shine forward this fullness and this love of God that's in us, that you and I have this calling on our lives to illuminate that love in every sphere of society, 
in every corner of culture, in every context in which you and I have influence, right? That's what we've been called to do. Each of us has been uniquely gifted. Each of us has been uniquely gifted. And actually, this doesn't even, even if you don't even claim to know Jesus or follow him, you have been gifted by him, all right, to fulfill that mission. So one of the things that Rick threw out last week, and it's just the beginning of us, was the, the assessment tool that is online, all right? It's this made-for-more assessment tool. Now, as of last Wednesday or Thursday when the staff was meeting and talking, over 100 people from White Oak had logged on, registered, and began to take this assessment. Here's why I'm telling you this is an expectation we have of all of us who consider White Oak our church family and our church home. All right? This assessment tool is, is, is a fascinating thing. All right? It took me about 30 minutes to do it, and I will admit I got up from my computer and went and did other things. All right? And it still only took me a total 30 minutes, even with that other stuff. 20, 30 minutes tops. It will save your, your stuff if you need to go on. You create this profile, and you just answer these questions. All right? And what it does, I just love what it turns out for me. What it, ter- what it gives you, it gives you these words and these descriptors of words that maybe you've heard, but you're like, I don't really know if that's me or if that makes sense. It gives descriptors of these words of the unique ways that God has gifted you with, with gifts and passions and concerns that really just kind of um, consume your heart a little bit. It, it puts like words and descriptors to that. And it's really very fascinating. I took it um, a week and a half ago. The top things that were like my gifts or passions was like leadership, teaching, discernment. That's iffy, I know. Um, wisdom is very questionable, so the test isn't foolproof, all right? But, um, but those were the f- top four for me. Um, you have those too. And so I'm, I'm encouraging you, I'm imploring you, I'm begging you, I'm telling you, I'm expecting you. All right, log on and create this profile. There's a few things about, here's some um, Karen, Darren, and Aaron. Um, you can say that three times fast if you want. Three of staff members um, at White Oak, um, Karen's leadership, Faith, Darren giving and teaching, and poor Aaron is like probably the only one on staff that has the gift of hospitality. So um, there's that for you, okay? So that's just some of our staff members. We'll have a th- few up there for you next week as well. Log on and do this because here's the thing. The 2020, this year is a brand new year at White Oak, and with that comes a brand new set of expectations and dreams that the leadership at White Oak has for our church family. That we want us, we want you equipped and mobilized, right, for your family to be equipped and mobilized to, to know the love of our Father more deeply and to illuminate that into our communities more fully. This is a brand new year. That's the expectation and the dream that we have for us. Log on and take this assessment this week. You'll be so glad you did because we will talk more about that as this series and this year rolls on. In this church... This is what's kind of mind-blowing with that. In this church, we have all of the gifts that it takes. In this room right here, I'm serious now, in every chair that exists at a White Oak facility, we have all of the gifts and the qualities we need to accomplish the work that God has asked us to do. We don't lack anything. With all of these people in this room, we lack nothing. Right? To teach our kids and our grandkids, to see the children and our children, community and in our city um, taught to know the love of a really good dad in heaven. We have the gifts and the qualities right here in this room to do that. 
to have our teenagers come to understand and then see it lived out in people's lives, the fullness of God's love and their identity in him. We have the giftings and the talents and the qualities of the people in the seats in this room right now to make sure that our teenagers in this community know the love of a really good father in heaven. We have it, it's here. We have the people and the talents and the gifts from God to us in every chair in this, in this room today. The abilities to stretch ourselves to meet needs in our schools and to meet needs in, in our community, to create new ventures, to take on and refresh old ones for the purpose of God. It's all right here. That's pretty exciting. And it's true. So what motivates you? What motivates you in 2020? Now, there's a lot of things that motivate us because, we, because a lot of us in, in 2020 will, will say that we aren't these New Year's resolutions people, but the truth is we, do, we all come into a new year with some hopes. Like it, the, the cliche ones are, you know, you want, you want to become more healthy, maybe more fit. Um, maybe you want to learn a new skill. Um, you want to teach yourself or learn to do something new. Maybe it's a promotion at work. You came into this year like, man, this is the year I'm just going to kill at work and I'm going to get this job. Or maybe it's school. Maybe you said, I just want to, I'm going to try harder at the sport or, or at getting better grades so I can achieve this thing. Maybe that was, that was the, the New Year's resolution you made. Maybe it was just like you wanted to take an important step in a relationship. Like it's time just to ask her out on a date, you know, right? Or it's time to ask him what's next. Or it's time to go deeper in some relationships that exist. Maybe that was what you hoped for for this year. Maybe it's to kick a habit. Maybe it's to start one, a good one. So what motivates us or fuels us is really the question for us in this series and into this year. And what about when it comes to your relationship with our Heavenly Father? When it comes to our relationship with our heavenly dad, right? When it comes to the, to the belief that you and I were indeed made for more, what is your motivation toward that more? What motivates you? What fuels you? Here's our big idea for today. I am made to love more. You and I, uniquely and individually, were made to love more. I encourage you to write that one down on your program or as you bring up a note, maybe in your phone or something. Here's the thing. A couple of weeks ago, we, we, we um, opened into the book of Ephesians. Paul had a made-for-more moment encounter with Jesus right, in the first century, and it transformed his life. And so he became the most avid, prolific uh, church planter in the Mediterranean Roman world at the time. He planted a church in the city of Ephesus, a diverse city in the, in the Roman Republic. And what Paul does with his letter to the Christians in Ephesus was he's trying to help a new group of Jesus followers understand what living this made-for-more life looks like. You and I might be curious about that too. All right, so we're going to jump into Ephesians chapter 3 today. If you don't have a Bible, we have them at the hub for you. Eric mentioned the hub on the video, it's the blue curtained area on your right as you leave. We have free Bibles there. Would love for you to take that and, and use that tool. Um, but we're going to jump into Ephesians chapter 3, starting with verse 14. This is what Paul says. When I think of all of this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ 
will make his home in your hearts as you trust him. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And you may have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from God. Now, all glory to God, who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen. Paul says, first and foremost, church, listen, I want you to understand something, and it's understandable. What is the power that is in you? As a follower of Jesus, what is a power that has motivated you, fueled you, and lives inside of you? What is that? It's there, Paul says. And it's not actually rocket science. In verse 18, he makes it very clear the source of your power. It's God's love. It's God's love. It's the love of a father in heaven. And Paul goes on to on, on about that. What he's saying here is, guys, listen, Paul's saying, if I could look at every follower of Jesus in, in the Roman world, in Ephesus, or into the future, if I could strip away everything else, all the things that you've ever done for God, all the things that you've ever thought about him, all the things, ways that you've kind of screwed it up, all the things that you've ever believed or, or, or thought. And Paul said, if I could just strip all of that away and just have you, just be left with you, what I would see, Paul says, what you would see is this infinite fullness of God's love. Like that's at the core of who you are. It's in you. It, it, is, it is your foundation. It's your identity. Paul says, that's you. Now we tend, however, we, we tend to lean into other things as a motivation for us. And you've been there, you've done this. Anyway, what, what motivates us right, in marriage while we're, while we're married or even um, before we're married? Okay? Uh, what motivates us in marriage is, is, is expectations, right? We have these expectations of what it will be like, and that comes from culture, that comes from this idea that our culture's fed us about this soulmate that exists out there or this person that will complete us. And if I could just have a side note, if you are in a place where you believe a human being will complete you, for the love of God, give me a call, okay? Because they can't, and that's a really high expectation to have on someone, FYI, all right? So email me and we'll talk, all right? But we have this idea of what sex will be like. I mean, this, these are these expectations. How will marriage serve me? How will he or she make me happy? That's what motivates us, largely in marriage, right? Those are the questions and the concerns and the expectations we have. What motivates us to be accepted by other people? This isn't just a thing that teenagers want. We all want it. Why? What motivates us? We want approval. We want to know that, our, that we are valued. Man, all of us want to be valued. We want to know that there's a group of people that just find us valuable and fun and they want to be around us. That's a motivator, right? To have approval from those people, all right? We all want to belong someplace. That motivates. What about how you view your money? Where, where's the motivation for how you view your money? Really, it's just I want more of it, right? All of us would like that. All right, we want more of it because it, it creates a comfort for us, doesn't it? Security for us. 
right? But that's, that's the motivator. I want security. I want more. I want more money. Uh, how about your faith? What motivates us in faith? It's not God's love. Often, it can. I hope it is, but it's not often. Not for me. Sometimes for me and, and sometimes for you, what motivates us in faith is, what is it that I owe God? Like, what does God want from me? And sometimes it's what, what, what is, um, sometimes what motivates us in faith is what I think God owes me. What does he owe to me? How have I just grown up in my religious background? That's often just the motivation. It's like, well, this is how I've always done it. And some of us think that maybe our doubts or our failures actually disqualify us from really following Jesus at all. See, there's a lot of things that motivate us. They, they fuel us to grasp for uh, the, the more that we're convinced is out there, and, and we're right, right? But we'll, we'll, we turn to a lot of different things, right? But they don't really promise anything, not for sure. Because, and you know this, because marriages end all the time, don't they? It's horrible, but they do, right? Because the soulmate sir, apparently wasn't the soulmate. The person who completed you is not completing you anymore, right? So, so, and then we can remarry and look for the same thing from someone else. So, so there's not a lot of security or guarantees there. Um, we want to be accepted by other people. So once we feel like they value us, I've done this thing, now they value me. I've said this, I, I fit in here, now they value me. But we're always looking and there's always something else that re- is required of you in order for that next level of acceptance to be experienced. We know that because we've been there. We're there now, right? We can lose money. We can gain more money, but none of us think we have enough. Not really. And so you're constantly looking. So, so these things that we think get us toward more, they might, but there's no guarantee and they'll often fail us. And here's the thing too. Religion fails us in this way. Religion fails us when we see our faith as a transaction with God. God um, if I do these things or believe this, then you will. And when we, believe, when we have our, our, when our religion is a transaction of if I do, then you will, it fails, doesn't it? And we've all experienced that. It doesn't hold any water. Paul's point. The love of God, the fullness, all right, which is, unfathomable, but yet knowable, which is crazy. It's not knowable and it is knowable at the same time. He kind of says both, all right? It's this unknowable knowableness of God's love. The fullness of God's love transforms us. It it pours his spirit into our hearts and it fills us up with his love. It's an ongoing process. You and I are this like infinite black hole of space for God to continue to fill, fill more love, fill more love. So we become more aware of it, more knowledgeable of it, and the space keeps opening for more of it to flow in. That's what Paul is saying. But none of us is a finished project, product. There's still more room, isn't there? So let me give you three things real quick. How do we get fuller? I think there's three things that we have to come to understand. And it is knowable. It's understandable, right? So we're told so. And it starts with be, do, and go. Be, do, go. 
First one is be with Jesus. This is the simplest and yet the one that is most ignored by all of us is to be with Jesus. Ask him, starting in your prayers today, if you haven't prayed to God in a long, long time, I implore you, start with this one. If you pray every day, start with this one. Okay, God, um, fill me today. Just fill me. Fill my relationships, fill my desires, fill my, 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 my sexuality, my, my relationships, my, my marriage, my finances, uh, my work life. God, just, just start your day. God, just fill me. Fill me up, right? And then you can just rest in your dad. I mean, he, but Paul says that he, he, as you trust him, he makes his home in your heart. And you can just stay home. Just be at home and rest in your dad. And we struggle here. I mean, when, how could you, if I were to, want, if we were just sitting down having a cup of coffee and I said to you, or you asked me, Describe for me the last time you just rested in Jesus. What did that feel like? What did you hear? How did you respond? When's the last time? Describe for me the moments in your week where you just rest and enjoy your father. Most of us would really struggle to answer that question. Because we're so busy doing for him or waiting on him to do something for us that we miss out on just enjoying him, enjoying that our identity is found in him, that I am just a son of my God. Uh, you're a daughter uh, of your father in heaven and just resting in my identity and at home with my dad, just knowing that he's just filling me. Just be with him. Don't do for him don't even do because of him. Just be with him. The next one is do to, to become more like Jesus. You, you, we want to feel the fullness of, of God. Like what does that fullness of love look like? If you just spend time with him, be with him. The next one is just become like him. It's been said for years, I don't know who first said it, that the Christian life is really just one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. That we don't, we, we don't have all the answers. We're, we're an imperfect, broken people and we just happen to know the source of life. We just happen to know the source of life. And before there were believers in Jesus or, or, or you, know, you know what they were first called? Right? Be, before there were people who believed in Jesus, like you and I might say, um, they were just followers. They were, they were followers. They were disciples. And they followed after him to mimic him, to learn from him, and to draw how to do this made for more life from him. They just followed him. They followed him. And as you follow Jesus, I promise your heart, as he will fill you up. As you rest in, in him and your identity in him, he'll fill you up. As you become more like him, he will fill you up. And the way that you view marriage will change. It will move into this, this thing that looks like mutual sacrifice and, and respect as he fills you. As he fills you up, as you follow him, he'll fill you. So that your superficial friendships become purposeful and, and have substance. 
And as you follow Jesus and mimic him, your heart for how you view your resources and your money, it will shift from a hoarding perspective to a perspective of generosity. And when we try to make just these deposits and withdrawals from God in this transactional experience, right? We just try to better our, we try to better our situations. We all want more, right? Because there's more to be had. And when we try to, we make these deposits and with these withdrawals with God, we are left bankrupt, church, without the transforming power of God's love. Follow him. Learn from him. Mimic him. And he will fill you up. The third one is go. Go and just do what Jesus did. Go and do in every sphere of society, in every corner of culture, in every context where you have favor. I don't know. Think about the contexts where you have influence now the relationships, the spaces. Think about it. Do what Jesus did in those contexts. As the fullness of God fills you up, church, it's built this way, and we will inevitably, it will spill out of us. It will overflow out of us towards love for other people. Every follower of Jesus has this calling on your life. I want you to, I I plead that you understand this and that you know this. That every follower of Jesus has this sacred summons, this unique calling, this commission that has been given to you uniquely, all right? It's been given to you uniquely. It's it's this personal calling in your life. And can you imagine how this church and then this community and this city would be transformed by God's love is if only we heard the calling and you and I stepped into it. And being rooted and motivated in the love of our Father to love more, we will live to see the day that that happens. A few years ago, um, the founding pastor of the Bhutanese Emmanuel Church came to White Oak and they said, we need a space for our church congregation to meet. We're, we're a new church and we don't have a space. And so they started meeting at the Coleraine campus in a third floor classroom. And they quickly outgrew it. And they said, we need more space. We, we've got like a couple hundred people spilling, you know, wall to wall. Can we go down into the gym, gym area? And they, and they have. And that's where the Bhutanese Emmanuel Church is meeting now and when they outgrew that space. Now to give you a quick background, the kingdom of Bhutan in Southeast Asia is actually a part of Nepal. So these, the, the, the Bhutanese um, are from uh, this kingdom of Bhutan that is part of Nepal. Several years ago, the king of Bhutan uh, began to persecute followers of Jesus. And so they were refugees. Many of them landed in the U.S. Many of them still landed in Cincinnati as refugees from Bhutan. And Pastor Run, who is a follower of Jesus and a founding pastor of the church, he came to the U.S. prior to following Jesus. And though he alludes at, to, at this story, when his father passed away, they couldn't hear, find a Hindu priest to, um, to bless the family um, because they were in a lower caste system. And so they turned somewhere else to find 
uh, meaning, and I would love for you to take a look at their story. We recorded this last month. Amen. The thing that just overwhelms me, and I've watched that like six times, and it still does, is how he was introduced to Jesus. Did you catch it? He drove a church van for a, a little church. I kind of imagine just eight little old ladies is how I picture it. And he's driving them to church and taking them to Meyer for groceries when he can. And those ladies just loved him. Do you understand? They must have been so full that it overflowed. And now he knows Jesus and he's the pastor of, of the largest Bhutanese church in the city and in the area. Because someone overflowed. And Paul's prayer for the people of Ephesus, he says that God can do immeasurably more than you could ever think or ask. And then he prays in chapter 3 this prayer over them. He says, this is my prayer for you, church followers. And it's just one that I want to repeat now and pray over you. So if you would, would you stand? Would you just stand with me? All of us stand together. And, and, and if you're comfortable, um, I would even ask you to close your eyes. Um, the person next to you will not root through your purse. I can't guarantee that, but they probably won't. And I just want you to close your eyes. And I want to pray this prayer over us, over you. This prayer that has been written 2,000 years ago that has such power for us now. So if you close your eyes, this is my prayer for you as it is Jesus's, as it was Paul's. I pray that from God's glorious unlimited resources that he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. Then Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust him more. Your roots will grow down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is for you. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully. Then you will be made complete with all the fullness of life and power that comes from our God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we could ask or think. Glory to him in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations, forever and ever. Amen. You should stay standing with me. Stay standing with me. This is Paul's prayer. And it can be our prayer too. If we would just pray this prayer in this season as we go forward towards more, this prayer, God, how does your love motivate me? There's power in that prayer, guys. Today in this, in this place, in these relationships, in the place where I have influence, in this family, on this team, in this group of friends, in, in this church, in this community, in this marriage, do you understand? With these kids that God has, has, has told me to parent, God, how does your love motivate me? Not God, what can you do for me? 
That's a fine prayer. Or God, what do you want from me? And that's an okay prayer too. Not those prayers, but God, because of your great love, because you have this immeasurable capability of doing more than I could even ever imagine or think of, God, because of that love and that power, what will you do through me? Church, if that's our prayer, there's nothing our God can't accomplish through this place. And if you don't know God's love, like Ron didn't know, if you just have not experienced that and given your life to Jesus, I want to tell you this. Mark that on your connection card before you leave this place today, and we'll email you, and I'll connect with you. Because the journey to more starts with surrender. And churches, there's a lot of us here that need to start that journey today. For the rest of us who know that there's more, like we're convinced of it, right? We know that there's more out there than the places we've been before, but it's not just for you. Because you're convinced that as I am too, and, and I know that you, that you share this with me, that there's more for, for our community. That there is more than, than the purposelessness and the aimlessness that our friends and our family and our neighbors feel. That there is love for them. That it's real, it's tangible, and it's transformative. That's where we fill the void. This is a picture of White Oak in 2020. This is the picture of our church family into the future. Get on board. You were made to love more. Be, go, do.